come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman and welcome to Beyond the Cabinet in the Woods, A Good Ghoul's Guide to Horror. I'm your polter guide, Kinsey. I'm your polter guide, Donna. I'm your polter guide, Adrian. Polter guide, Debbie, found a new indie band that she was going to check out. So it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. She was supposed <laughs> to be back last night, but it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I don't mean to be spreading rumors, but I'm pretty sure Debs is not a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> We should all just keep that in mind the next time we run into Debs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man. That kind of that found my funny bone, Donna. Um, so, if you're wondering, if you haven't figured it out yet, we have watched the 2009 film Jennifer's Body, which, uh, funny enough, Friday night was the 11th anniversary of its release. Was it really? Yes, it was. I thought it was very apropos because that was the night I watched it. I was like, oh, all right. Nice. Well, good okay. job, us. <laughs> we'll, let's, let's all claim we did that on purpose. We're totally going to claim we did that on purpose because that that's how we are. Yeah. All right. So let's go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Had you seen it before? Because I wasn't for sure with you, Donna. So, yeah. I had not seen it before, um, as Adrian knows from the live. It wasn't a rant. Just I was just like, oh, my God, she's going to kill spoiler <laughs> kind of comments as i was watching it um yeah i enjoyed it very much um i really wish i had seen this movie in 2009 because i feel like it's a tragedy that i've lived 11 years without this movie in my life it's a good movie All right. i have seen it but i also did not see it in 2009 it took me a really long time to get to this movie and I had the exact same feeling as Donna once I did watch it, where I was like, why didn't, why didn't I watch this before? This is fantastic. All right. I, did, uh, I have seen this film. I, uh, I saw it, I think it was pretty early on, its, uh, its home, home video release. I saw it. I watched it with a friend. I like it overall, but I've got things with it, but that's okay. And I know we will get into it <laughs> with my things. But overall, yeah, I like it. It's a good film. And I'm always a fan of Diablo Cody's writing, you know. So, all right. So, do we, let's, let's get into it then. I feel like the first thing that I want to say is there is a shocking number of uses of the R word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and it upsets me so much because I'm just like, man, if it weren't for that, this would, like, like, this would be so great. We're just, a different word would make this movie a thousand percent more watchable today. I had forgotten about all of that, and then when it started, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, about the same feeling. I do think I literally, like, startled the first yeah. time they said it. Yeah, actually, same. I was like, whoa. It's like, we're, we're, we're doing that. Oh, here we go. Okay. All but right. then it was like cringe flashbacks to how incredibly like ubiquitous that word was probably around that time, like from the late 90s to, to this movie time. But now that you mention it, you know what word you didn't hear was a lot of uh, homophobic slurs. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you didn't. But I think that goes, I think Did that's, I think that's, you've got 
with a woman director and a woman writer, you know, I think that has something to do with it. But You did have Jennifer referring to Colin Gray that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. But having your villain, I don't know. She like at that point, I feel like she is, we, we are not meant to think highly of Jennifer at the point in the movie at which that happens. Yeah. 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 Um, there is also the moment where Needy asks Chip if he wants her pink jacket, and he kind of smiles and says no, but that doesn't hit the same. <laughs> no, you can make the argument it shows the difference in the two the two girls, their personalities. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. where Jennifer probably would have made a big deal about that, and Needy was actually genuinely being, "Hey, you want uh, you want my coat because it's cold." Yeah. Uh, before we get too deep into this here, and by the way, we're going to be in spoiler territory pretty fast here. Those of you who don't know what Jennifer's body is about, our good, good buddies at IMDb, oh, as always, they got us. Do they? Well, hmm. Yeah. I think, I think this movie is actually a, um, deep dive into the concept that virginity is a social construct. Okay. I know that's not funny. I I, I tried, and that was the best I came up with. I apologize. I apologize to everybody. <laughs> trying to be funny and, and failing. Well, yeah, IMDb is definitely going to disagree with you, Donna. Well, yeah, you did fail to be funny, according to Kinsey. <laughs> no, Donna went, like, heavy, and I'm like... I have no response to that. This is a serious, <laughs> like Donna's going to write a paper about this. And I, I I'm just going to be like, yeah, <laughs> she caught me <laughs> off guard, but it's all right. It's all right. No. So IMDB, their summary is a newly possessed high school cheerleader turns into a succubus who specializes in killing her male classmates. Can her best friend put an end to the horror? She wasn't a cheerleader and she wasn't a succubus. No, she didn't. Fuck them to death. She ate them. Also, she was flag team. She wasn't a cheerleader. I think that Needy does call her a succubus, though. Yeah, she does. I like she's, she's definitely not. she she's succubus inspired, but she is to succubi as rage zombie as rage people are to zombies. Yeah, that science checks out. I'll give you that. It is science. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I am a cryptozoologist. So I had forgotten with this watch that the low shoulder song is just kind of like the background music, almost some form of it from the get go. And that part just made me cackle so much. It is ubiquitous. It's so, it's such a perfect, okay. Like first off, it's kind of like a stupidly nice song to listen to. And I'm so annoyed by that because it's like, they are so fucking fake. Um, but also, it's such the perfect song for everything that's happening with Needy and Jennifer. And I think that that's really one of the things that totally, like, gets them killed. Because it's them singing the song that is, like, making Needy feel all these things about Jennifer at the prom or whatever the dance was. We should have started this, this podcast singing 8675309. <laughs> we should have. I want to talk about the casting of this film because i felt like every two minutes i was going is that chris pratt is that, <laughs> is that amy sedaris that, that's that's jk simmons with a lot of hair it was i i enjoyed the casting of this movie quite a bit 
I, I did too. I thought it was great. I like the adult casting of this film. The ones that you named, Donna, I'm, I'm such a fan of. Between Juno and Spider-Man, J.K. Simmons kind of, that's what got him kind of on his upswing and that he was just so against type on yeah. who he was playing. And it's, oh man, and Chris Pratt, like he looked exactly like pretty much everybody I remember that was that type of person in my hometown. I was like, oh, that's hitting way, oof, you're hitting too close to home for me there, Pratt. Yep, yep, yep. But I know, Kenzie, you had some comments on the casting. Do I do. Wanna... Uh, yeah, we can, we can definitely jump into that right there. So I think casting two lead actresses because they are mostly known for being hot and not being good actresses. I think that hurt this film because of Cody's writing. Cody does a, she, some of her writing is pretty crackling and you can kind of miss the subtleties of the jokes if you're not a stronger actress. And my examples are, so Ellen Page from Juno, like she nailed it. Like she, she got it. And then with Charlie Theron between young adult, I haven't seen Tully yet, but I know with young adult, like there's, it's, there's a lot of nuances that are, that can be missed. And I think that's something that hurt this film. Like, I'm not saying that they don't do, they're not good actresses. They're just not strong enough actresses to pull off the material. Hmm. That is my- I legitimately could not disagree more. I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I would watch this film even more if it's two other leads. And I think it would be a different film with two other leads. But I think they just, they missed the mark. That's just I, me though. I think that hiring two actresses who are, as, as, I, I want to be very clear that this is me quoting you, known oh. for being hot. Yeah. Was probably fairly intentional in this movie. And um, yeah. No, no, I don't disagree that it wasn't intentional, but I think I think you need a stronger actress, one that is just a little bit more trained, a little bit more polished, because they are fine. You know, I'm not knocking them. I'm just, this is talking about craft. I, I respect your opinion. I just don't agree. Okay. I bought Jennifer at every step of the way. I, okay. I believed her as the... Um, bitchy small town hot girl who was wanting to get with the band. I bought her as the I've just been possessed and I don't understand what's going on. And I bought her as the okay, I now understand what's going on and I'm embracing it. Um, I, I believed her every step of the way. And I thought Amanda Seyfried did a uh, did an amazing job and something <laughs> tangentially related. I really, really loved how good a job they did making these very hot girls less hot. I'm not going to say unattractive because there was never a point either one of them were unattractive. They're too smoking to be unattractive. But I I, I believe that Amanda Seyfried was the... Um, am I saying her name right? No clue. All right. I always say Seyfried, but I could be wrong too. I completely bought her as the somewhat nerdy girl. You know, like her hair was not great. Um, she wasn't wearing a lot of makeup. I bought her completely. And um, when Jennifer looked tired. She looked she, tired. Yeah. She looked tired. And again, at ne there was no point. Like, like I think, uh, I think uh, Needy even says at one point, well, ugly for her. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, yeah, that, that's it exactly. She was ugly for her. Anyway. Yeah, I felt like Jennifer was sort of um, like... Nega Eris, <laughs> like the, the inverse of Eris in this. 
Um, you know, I've been playing the, the, the Final Fantasy VII remake, and there's this moment. Aerith. Aerith. It, it, sorry, Aerith. Um, we, we, know, we know someone who goes by Aerith, and so I was um, a little... I can understand your confusion. Yeah, um, I, was, I was confused. They called her Aerith in the original, and I, then they... I they yeah, they, they did. Um, anyway, so she's sort of like the, the inverse of Aerith. There's a point in the, in the Final Fantasy VII remake when you realize that Aerith, that Aerith is putting on a show that, that, that she is pretending to be um, happier and more chipper and all of that than she actually is. And I feel like that a lot with Jennifer, that she comes across as fake and stilted because she is fake and stilted. None of this is her actual personality. I think that the moment we see the like the truest form of Jennifer in the movie is the scene right before prom where she's sitting there doing her makeup where she was just slathering on that foundation and you can just see how like like sad and defeated and like insecure she is right then. And I think that is the only time that we ever see who Jennifer really is. And I think that Megan Fox gets a lot of shit for being a shitty actress because she does a lot of B-tier movies. But I, I don't know. I think that she's legitimately good. And I think that she does exactly what she's supposed to be doing in this one. I also right. felt like we got a good shot of who Jennifer is after the, uh, the bar burned. Um, because oh, yeah. She found herself in a situation where being pretty was not going to get her out of that. Yeah. Um, and... Um, her the 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 few minutes there where she's getting out of the bar and then just sitting there on the on the ground just curled up in a ball Mm -hmm. i i felt like that was that was some real jennifer right there too Mm -hmm. probably the closest to like jennifer's voice we got is when she spoilers kills ahmet and she's just like and she her voice is just really like flat and like are you lost does anybody know you're alive come with me like I don't know. I think we, yeah, I do think we get little flashes of the actual Jennifer, but I think who we're seeing most of the time is not her. To, to get really deep into a movie that never particularly asked me to do this and answer questions that also nobody asked me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Jennifer comes into this movie as a teenage girl who is being highly sexualized by basically everybody around her, a fucking police cadet officer, whatever they're called, is like, is openly having sex with her. Like he does not care very much that needy knows that Jennifer is talking to him about it in this bar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, whenever she says thanks to, I don't know his name, thanks to so-and-so I'm not even a backdoor version, any virgin anymore. Roman Roman. Thanks to Roman. I'm not even a backdoor virgin anymore. That like that sentence right there. doesn't have any a- a- autonomy for Jennifer. She doesn't say it in any way that makes it like, yeah, this was definitely something that I was into. Like she says, thanks to Roman. And so I feel like when we come into this movie, what we already have is like with Jennifer is a traumatized girl. Yeah, yeah. there's some, yeah, there's some things that she does, especially in the bar when she even talks about getting the drinks. That mm-hmm. you know that she's basically going to flash the bartender to get drinks because she's what seventeen? Yeah, she's seventeen, mm-hmm. and that she's just so. I don't want to say blase about it, but it's just like, yeah, it's Tuesday. So this is what I got to do, you know? 
Yeah, the way that she deals with her sexuality is like it like first off, I think they do a really good job of it because it feels immature. Um and it also feels very much like she like a character who has been taught like a person who has been taught to weaponize their sexuality that way. And so like I remember being honestly sort of surprised when her mom seemed like like when her home life seemed okay. So that I'm like, well, all right, well, we see her mom, but it's probably pretty telling that we don't see her dad. Yeah, I, um, she really seemed like a girl who didn't think she had anything of value to offer except her sexuality and her appearance. Um, and like I said, you know, when, when, the, uh, when the bar caught on fire and her looks weren't going to get her out of that, she, she, didn't, she didn't even know how to behave. She didn't know who to be. She shut down entirely. She shut down entirely because the only thing she knew to do to handle a situation was, was not effective. Yeah. Yeah, she's lucky. Well, I don't know if she's lucky. She's not lucky. I was going to say she's lucky to have needy, but I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> well, Lucky's okay. a weird word. Well, then, okay. Then, Donna, that, let's, that brings into what you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Right? Uh, I, since we're at the bar and all of that. So, so here's the... Uh, let, me, let me tell you some stories. There was a... Uh, a party I was at where a friend of mine had had too much to drink and a guy that we both knew was joking around about kissing her and feeling her up. And I could never get her to give me a straight answer on whether she was into it or not. Um, I asked a couple of times, Hey, do you want me to go? And she would be like, Oh, (laughs) she was not into it. I did not leave the room. In fact, whenever opportunity presented itself, I got between them, which means now the the way this, this show presents it is Jennifer is a bad friend, but needy is a good friend. Needy did not stop her clearly shut down friend. I actually am suspicious that Jennifer may have been roofied before the bar even burnt down because she did completely shut down, but her friend was completely shut down she did not interfere when some guy um, gave her a drink and then pushed the bottom of it to make sure that she got all of it and then barely interfered with Jennifer getting in the van and driving away and so I'm going to say that it's not Jennifer's bad friend and Needy is a good friend Needy was not a good friend I have a question yeah in that story you just told, how old were you? Okay, that's a point. Oh, I was in my early 20s, but I wasn't 17. Yeah, I had a friend whenever I was younger that used to really like going to the mall to meet older men. Like, that was her goal. And um, let me rephrase. Like, I don't, I, I don't like the word, I, I don't like the fact that I just used the word liked. Like, this was, this was what she said she wanted to do, but we were, we were very young and she had other problems um but i remember being in situations and and i was i was younger than 17 at the time but i remember watching her talk to people and she never went home with anybody like we were at the mall our parents were coming to pick us up like there wasn't um there wasn't a lot of opportunity there but i remember watching her talk to people and just feeling incredibly helpless um i also have a story about going to a party where my friend drank too much and was just on the toilet. And this guy was like trying to come in and rub her back. And I was in the bathroom and I didn't leave the bathroom, but it was really hard to do anything in that situation. 
Mm-hmm. Like I was like, he, the, the guy kept being like, I'll, I'll take care of her. I'll take care of her. And I was like, I don't think you know her name and I do. So I'm going to just stay here if that's cool. And also Needy had just been through a traumatic experience. Like when she's describing it to Chip later, she talks about hearing bones break and stuff. And so while, <laughs> while, um, Jennifer is definitely shut down, and I don't necessarily think that she wasn't roofied. Um, we, I, Needy is also not in a good situation. Okay. And she's outnumbered. She there, is. She yeah. is outnumbered. There were four, four of the guys who were all older than they were, and there's nobody paying any attention to them. Even if Needy screams, like, I don't think anybody would have paid attention. Yeah. In that situation, you're right. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm not letting Needy off the hook. Yeah. Yes. Because there's still things she could have slash should have done, but I will, I will grant you she's a 17 year old and it's for older men and there's extenuating circumstances. I mean, she could have tried to get in the van with them and they could have stopped her at which point she probably could have gone to the cops, but I don't think there's any indication to tell us that the cops could have gone after one girl while also dealing with the fire. I think that's one of the things that this movie is talking about is not believing. Like even if Needy had went to somebody with all of this, I don't think they would have believed her because, and this, I don't mean this as shitty as it sounds, but because it's Jennifer. Well, yeah, exactly. Like let's say she did manage to go find Roman. Yeah. Like what is he yeah. going to say? Yeah. Like I, that's what I'm saying. I think this movie, that's one of the things that it's tar- it's talking about, but doing it in a real subtle way that i think if she'd if she had found somebody i don't think i think that it would be well you know well of course jennifer went you know Mm -hmm. jennifer's not a good victim yeah and i think that's one of the things with this film is that it has us question our own hang-ups if you will you know like kind of like what you were saying is she's not a good victim needy wasn't this like i think that's it makes us it makes you as the audience question your own take on friendship and being a woman in this world like i think that's one of the the really smart things that this movie does and does very well and i think that's this discussion right here is evidence of that and i think you're right that if needy had tried to get in i don't think we would have needy i think they would they would make it look like she she was killed in the fire i think that and i think if needy had went to somebody i don't think they would have believed her because as adrian put it Jennifer's not a good victim and it kind of you're damned if you do damned if you don't I guess my point is she didn't try any of that yeah I mean we can look at the way that Chip reacts whenever she tells Jennifer Chip who is like honestly pretty cool like he is awesome yeah for the most part he is nothing but sweet through the entire movie except when it comes to certain things particularly Jennifer like when Needy tells him that something happened to Jennifer he's like we can't go after her like, like he's just so he's so done with that already mm-hmm. well i think he sees i think he's he's one of the few that sees the manipulate the manipulation jennifer and this is probably then this is pre-possession here that that she does to needy like she yeah. does manipulate needy quite a bit true I mean, agree but i don't think that means that jennifer should be left to be in a van 
with strange men. No, which, I'm I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not advocating that either. That uh, that that's not my statement of she got what's coming to her kind of thing. That is not yeah. what I mean by that at all. You know, I'm just more putting evidence on to the things that Chip has kind of done with with Jennifer. Right, right, right. Well, my my thing is that he just ne- he doesn't see like as despite the fact that Chip is awesome like objectively he's he's great he's super respectful of needy when they have sex he's really sweet even talking about it he's just like he is adorable and sweet through the entire movie except that he never believes needy like he never believes the extents of things when needy tells him something he never listens to her about how bad it is he, well, I, I find it interesting with him when it comes to Jennifer. He almost seems like he's, and maybe I'm using, and I might be using this term wrong here, but it almost feels like gaslighting with her. Like, almost like, no, she's not this. She's not basically, anytime Needy is bringing up Jennifer, especially after the demon possession, he is, he's very dismissive of, mm-hmm. of everything. And that's why I said it almost, there's a, there's a to me there's a lot of gaslighting that happens to needy in this film too (laughs) so much (laughs) which brings me to one of my favorite lines that didn't make it as the official quote which is that she's actually evil not high school evil (laughs) high school evil is a perfect little nugget of high school life it really is and jennifer was so perfectly high school evil too like like, Jennifer can give a bullied kid flashbacks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so how gay do you think Needy is? Because I think it's a lot. I think that if Needy could be in a polyamorous relationship with Jennifer and Chip, she would be. Speaking of Chip not believing her, um, something that I started to suggest as a quote, but it was too convoluted to do it, was when Needy said... She puked up disgusting prickly stuff that looked like roadkill and sewing needles. And Chip says she probably inhaled a bunch of smoke. Yeah. (laughs) Like if I said somebody puked up roadkill and sewing needles and somebody was like, she inhaled a bunch of smoke. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you breathe through your fucking stomach? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, that, that was the one time where I was like, oh, Chip, man, Chip. So I mentioned before that um, I feel like Needy is pretty bisexual in this movie. And then as I was looking that, I started looking the the movie up on TV tropes, and apparently Megan Fox has said that she was playing Jennifer as a deeply closeted lesbian. That tracks. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She never went after boys that she liked, she was going after boys to get, like, status. And then she was going after boys that Needy liked, like Colin and Chip. Yeah. Um, I think I think, um, I think think Needy was probably bi. And, yeah, I think the, uh, the, uh, the assessment of Jennifer as gay tracks perfectly. Mm-hmm. She, she, did not, she did not particularly like guys, but they were useful to her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that and that kind of also tracks with our earlier discussion about Jennifer's wep- her feeling to weaponize her sexuality, mm-hmm. and you know I think that just kind of goes goes along with those lines. Um, I liked the cameo from Lance Henriksen. Actually, Lance H- Henriksen played by Lance Henriksen. <laughs> I guess I missed it. 
It's at the very end he picks up Needy after she escapes. God damn, yes. Okay. I, I, can't, I looked at him going, I know that face. I know that face. And I couldn't place it. And I finally decided that it was some character actor who's been in everything ever made. And, and you weren't wrong. And I wasn't wrong. <laughs> There's just four different versions of him. <laughs> okay thank you for that because that actually had been bothering me Who <laughs> i went and i checked so many sources because i was like that feels like lance henrix that like he makes me feel safe like he will avenge me if i die but is that really like i don't want to be fooled again oh man i knew i was so excited because i had forgotten he he cameoed in this and i actually i have a i think that is my last note about this film is like oh yeah it's lance henrickson <laughs> My last note is actually, she's hovering. It's not that impressive. I, like, legitimately just forgot to take notes at one point. Like, I was just watching the movie. Yeah, I, I kind of had a section where I was just kind of, I was engrossed, and it's like, okay. Uh, so you mentioned being on TV Tropes, and that kind of brings me up to something I kind of want to talk about, the reversal of tropes in this film. Yeah. Like, I love that all of Jennifer's victims they did nothing wrong like she just i love that and i love um later Jonas on was actually mourning his friend at the yeah, time she approached yeah yeah he wasn't yeah he was mourning his friend <clears throat> was jonas mourning his boyfriend possibly yeah something about that scene struck me as 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 kind of gay <laughs> um particularly like the way whenever she was like she kept pushing like craig said we would make a good couple and he was like did he you know, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Head canon accepted. Mm-hmm. I also really like that uh, Chip's mom gives Chip the speech that you hear slasher girls get, or, you know, slasher girl in slasher films of there's someone targeting young girls, like Chip gets that speech. And I, I've seen this movie several times and I completely just missed that one. And then this last watch, I was like, oh, he's getting the, he's getting the, watch out speech that uh, usually girls get and i like that i love it and if he'd used it earlier he might have made it <laughs> um but i also appreciate that he did get to save needy with it yeah, yeah. i like that he stabbed jennifer uh-huh did not successfully kill her but stabbed her mm-hmm. and i my god the line i think i was already dead but i, I know voice, oh. it's just oh my heart Oh, mm-hmm. It was so good. Um, also, in the inversion of tropes, we usually have the dumb blonde and the intellectual brunette, and we've got the opposite of that here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I know this movie. Like this movie has so many like really great little details. This is actually a really good point to ca- talk to talk about why it failed. I was going to say, Adrian, did you want to talk about uh, the, the marketing of this movie? Yeah, film? so like the tagline of this movie was, uh, Hell is a Teenage Girl. And I remember writing a review for this movie. I think that might be why I eventually like watched this movie at all. It was that I got, like, I, I got assigned to write a review for it somewhere. Um, and I think my title for it was Hell is Bad Marketing. <laughs> because whoever marketed this movie just did not understand it they were marketing it to people that this movie was not for and they were completely ignoring the people that this movie was for if i had 
seen any trailers that were remotely representative of what is actually in this movie, I would have been in that fucking theater so fast. How did they market it? I don't remember any marketing for it. It looked like it was Megan Fox playing a big, sexy monster and kissing girls. Yeah, it, it was It was pretty... Uh... It was highly sexualized in a very titillating way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember any of the marketing for it. That makes me think of uh, the Bruce Willis movie Hudson Hawk, which is a really good movie. It's. This it's, is not the first time you have said that on this podcast. <laughs> Continue. I want to hear more. <laughs> it's just funny. Donna, okay. I just love how much you love Hudson Hawk. So that just <laughs> me makes too. me. That makes me so happy. Like. <laughs> Please go on. No, just they, they didn't market it right. Um, Bruce Willis was becoming a big action star as this movie was coming out. So instead of marketing it as this kind of funny, um, quirky film, they marketed it as a Bruce Willis action flick. And it's not, which means the people who would not who would have enjoyed it didn't go see it. And the people who did go see it didn't enjoy it. So. Yeah, exactly. I legitimately thought it was an action film possibly until this moment. Uh, there's actually a quote here. Um, on the IMDb page that says, in a February 2016 interview with the New York Times, while trying to illustrate how completely the studio's all-male marketing department misunderstood the point of this movie, the director, Karen Kusama, recalled that one of the marketing ideas was for Megan Fox to do live chats with amateur porn sites. Kusama said that she begged them not to even mention the idea to, to Fox because she will become dispirited. It was crushing. So that's the kind of marketing that they were doing for this movie. Mm. So the all-male marketing team saw Megan Fox looking hot and decided that's what the movie was. Yeah. Yeah. Saw Megan Fox looking hot, and the kiss between her and Needy was in all of the trailers, Mm -hmm. like prominently featured. It is exceptionally bad. Like this... I remember like the movie posters, the trailers, and just being like, that is not a, there's nothing in that fucking movie for me. Like I, they, I actively did not want to see it. I think I even talked shit about it. I was younger then. I don't talk shit about movies I haven't seen now. That's not true. There are some, <laughs> there are some where I'm like, no, I feel really, really confident that that is just a steaming pile of garbage. Most of them probably by J.J. Abrams. J.J. That's not this podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah no like like whew, they just wildly misinterpreted this movie i think if you'd have had any part of the marketing team have seen even or paid attention to juno like i don't mm-hmm. think i think that would have given you a better idea of how to market this because that's what got me interested in it, is because i love juno and i i was like okay i like diablo cody i like her writing and she's doing a horror film fuck yeah let's you know i'm in and then i started seeing the trailers i'm like oh what do we have Mm -hmm. going on here oh no 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 i hadn't seen juno at this time i don't think um so i didn't really i didn't have any attachment to anybody other than like a crush on amanda seyfried i just realized at this moment that when i think of the movie juno the the scene that comes to mind is the boys running (laughs) that is apparently what juno is about donna i knew you were gonna say that when you said i just came to be i'm like donna's gonna talk about the pork swords scene yep (laughs) anyway continue i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt it just was like 
Oh man, that's what I think of for Juno. Um, a side note about Juno, as I was doing research, I read that uh, Diablo Cody has said that she probably would not make Juno today because she did not realize the way that it was going to be portrayed necessarily. Uh, her, whenever people were like, thank you so much for making this pro-life movie, she was like, oh, no, wait, no, no, that's not, yeah. I didn't mean to do that. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And the way that, that things have gone lately she just said that she doesn't think that she, somebody asked her if she would change anything. And she was like, I think I would just make an entirely different movie. I wrote a, uh, I wrote a short story that I actually really like very much, but I feel the same way about, it. I wouldn't write it today because I didn't realize that I had done the, the last girl trope and all this. Mm-hmm. But um, the basic idea is these three girls cast this wish spell and one of them wishes for, you know, a built guy with tattoos and the other wishes for, I don't remember what. And the third guy, third girl is just like, I just want someone who won't hurt me. And um, anyway, I'm not going to tell the whole story here. But um, after I wrote it and after it was published was when I went, that is not the message I intended that the good girl gets to live. That is it's Not hard, man. I remember when I was writing Psychopomp and Circumstance, I spent so much time being like, is Chrissy a predatory gay? Is this okay? Oh, shit. Is Nell too bitchy? Am I playing into the trope here? Who who can I kill that's not going to kick the tropes because this is a horror novel and I need to fucking kill people? It, it's hard, man. It's really, really... I, I think that... I think particularly when you're writing, like, horror or horror-adjacent things, it gets difficult because you're, you gotta kill people. Who, who do you who do you kill? <laughs> and that's how you end up killing Quentin from the magician. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, do we want to talk about Colin Gray? Uh, yes, Hello, Colin. I I adore Colin Gray. In fact, one of my messages to Adrian last night was, "Oh my God, she's gonna kill Colin." Mm-hmm. I was so upset. He was so sweet, like. Oh, that's like, I don't know. It just strikes me how really nice a lot of the boys were in this movie. Not a lot of toxic masculinity on display. Mm-mm. Like you get some from, from uh, Jennifer when she's talking about Colin, when she's like, he wears nail polish. My dick's bigger than his. And, um, but yeah, he's just so, oh, he's just so adorable. And like, I love it because you can see, first off, I think Kyle Gallner is just the bee's knees. I, I think he's great. And um, you can see him in this movie playing like the goth who's definitely genre savvy and realizing over and over as he delves deeper into this situation, hmm, nope, <laughs> this is a bad plan. He kept going. And, and I mean, he had to climb in through a window and push plastic out of the way. Yeah. But then also I'm thinking about me as a teenager and this one time when this guy asked me to go out with him and I said no. And he said, I'll take you to a cemetery at midnight. And I was like, okay, so for starters, that's a weird thing to say to a girl. However, if you're gonna, I'm probably the right one to <laughs> say it to. And it's kind of tempting, but I just legitimately don't want to go out with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I said that to him. I think I just laughed. Um, but, but like, so like, I don't know. I felt Colin in those moments where it's just like, where if you exist in the real world, there's no reason to think you're going to get eaten by a demon. 
And do you really think that, like, worst case scenario, Jennifer tries to pull a carry on you and just humiliate you. But also, she, like, Colin is clearly, like, very open about who he is. He goes to school dressed like that. So, you know, this could also just be Jennifer giving him the date that he wants. I guess, speaking speaking as kind of a little bit of an outcast in high school myself, the thought that kept coming to me every step of the way is that I would have expected that I was about to get pranked, that I was about to get humiliated, like you said, carried. And I don't know, maybe if I had the male equivalent of Megan Fox waiting for me at the other end of that abandoned house, maybe I would have kept going, but I just can't, kept thinking, man, I'm going to turn, in fact, I was hoping because I wanted Colin to live. Um, I wanted him to I, live so much. <laughs> I just kept hoping he would, he would have eventually gone, no, nah, man, this is, nope, I'm out. But of course he didn't because Megan Fox. I think, well, one, uh, I like that Jennifer is the one that objectifies him. Like she, that she is the one that's like, I've had guys like him asking me out, just get to the point. Let's just go. Um, I feel horrible because I really, I'm like everyone else here. I loved Colin and I would have hundred percent been needy and been friends with Colin in high school because be like, yeah, I like his writing. It's fantastic. And oh, he wants to watch Rocky horror. Fuck. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think yeah, I was friends with Colin. I wanted to be friends with Colin, but all the goth boys that I went to school with were creepier than that. So, yeah, no. And I think he, I think by the song he's listening to, when we see him driving to meet Jennifer, I think that tells you that he really is very hopeful that this is not a prank, that this is, and that kind of, that's why he goes through with like, well, okay, I'll, you know, I'll climb through the window. I'll do this. So I think that's just, it's him being hopeful that it's not going to end as a prank. And I think that song is so fucking telling of just him. I agree. My husband has just burst through the door to say, excuse me, what did you just say? Did you just say all the goth boys you went to high school with were creepy? So I need to amend that to say all the goth boys at my high school were creepy, except for the one I fucking married. Okay. (laughs) I don't, sadly, I don't think I had any goth boys in my high school, or if they did, they were like goth light, because I definitely know there was nobody that wore nail polish or eyeliner, because that would have, they would have, that would have, that would have, that would have tripped some things, so. The moment that I realized that I was probably going to marry Christian was when he let me and my other friend Stacy give him a full face of makeup, and he wore a long maxi skirt on the last day of school, and I was like, this is it. This is, this is the one. <laughs> but yeah, I, so I wonder if she, if Jennifer has um, some kind of enchanting powers. Mm-hmm. Like at the very least, she seems to do, she seems to be doing something that dazzles men she, right before she, killing them. She said very early on, these are smart bombs. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what she was doing was pointing her smart bombs at them. Well, like, so it's like when she seemed to be getting boys that would not normally have kissed her. Like, I feel really, really strongly like that, like that Jonas was probably gay and she still got him. And so, and then when she, when Colin asked her out, it almost, it seemed weird. And there, there, there came a moment where it was almost like Colin came to his senses when she was like, I don't like boxing movies. And he was like, it's not, uh, and then he just walked away. And so I, I wonder 
if she was like, if she was just doing something, if she, there was just uh, not doing something, but if there was a magical pull. I mean, it's not that far. It's not that far of a stretch that she would have some kind of enchanting type powers with her being demon possessed, if you will. I think Colin and I think Chip are really, uh, really good yeah. examples of that, that, and I mean, I you could even make the argument low low shoulder had some to an extent with them getting her in the car. Yes, granted, that's there's a, true. There's a lot of you know, there. Granted, there is a lot of other things going on, but you can make that argument that they kind of have that. There's a there's a uh, magnetism. Th- thank you. That is the word I was looking for. Magnetism. You know, and also as Jennifer is killing more, she's becoming more aware of her powers mm-hmm. and what she can and can't do because we don't see her hover until uh till she's trying to attack chip like she hadn't done that you know yes she had done the jumping out of the window uh yeah because it just it just seems like she is getting she's getting these these boys that will occasionally have these moments of like oh wait where the fuck is-? and she even does it to needy actually like whenever they have the big kiss scene which you know that Needy has wanted to do. I guess you don't know. <laughs> Lots of subtext that Needy has wanted to do this kiss. But you, we also know that she legitimately cares about Chip. And then there comes that moment where she like pulls away and is freaking out and is like, what the fuck is happening? And so, I don't know, yeah. it just, it feels like Jennifer is getting people to this point. Like, like there's, there's some magical pull that gets them close I think Colin is the best argument for that because with Jonah, Jonas, um, if he is gay, and at this point I, I have decided that he definitely is, he's still going to be closeted. He's on a small yeah. town football team, which means when the hot girl says, let's go into the forest. You go into the forest. Yeah. He has to say yes. Um, oh, another inverted trope. I love the twisted Disney princess shit that happens there. Go on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and with Chip, it followed with Chip that he would go with Jennifer because she was being, she wasn't, she wasn't being overtly sexual with him. She was being a good comforting friend. Let's go. Uh, so it made to talk sense. about needy. Yeah. Yeah. So it made sense with, with chip. Colin was the one that it didn't entirely make sense. Um, yeah. And, and, and like, it's even stated, I thought Colin only liked the dead girls referring to the other goth girls. So like we, it's established that, that Jennifer is, Highly not his type. Uh, I do want to throw this out here. I think a fantastic double feature would be this film and Teeth. I think that would be a... I say you go for a triple feature and throw in Ginger Snaps. Well, yeah, no, you're right. Ginger Snaps would work. So, yeah, never mind. I am in that. Oh, I do want to say one more thing about the bands. I love when the fire starts and you see the lead singer just watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That... That was, that was as, like, there would need, did not need to be any scene whatsoever of them setting that up or planning it or wanting it. Just the fact that he just sat there and watched it and mm-hmm. smiled when it finally erupted was like, oh, they did this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the band, so I've seen the lead singer in a lot of, in, in other things. I know he's known for the OC and he's kind of a big comic book guy. But man... Him and the eyeliner, that tripped my radar. Oh, like, dude. Did he look like Brandon Flowers? Oh, my gosh, yes. I, I got <laughs> such killer vibes from, <laughs> from low shoulder. Like, I have a note about that. It was like, well, this is some killer vibes now that okay. I... Okay, 
Oh my god. Okay, so they they had originally considered other actors for that job. Like they actually even originally considered like Pete Wentz and stuff for that role. But I was just thinking, what if they just like put that eyeliner on? And they also I think originally had the guy that played Chip in for that role. But what if they just put the eyeliner on him and then realized he looked like Brandon Flowers and was like, "Hey, he looks like the lead singer of a band called the Fucking Killers. So let's put him here." I like it. Yep. Um, uh, since we kind of mentioned the band again, so I, I love, I love them singing Jenny when they're, it was, it was when, they're so good. when they're killing her. I'm like, like I, I had just, I started cracking up so loud. I was like, Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Do you guys remember the old Stephen King? I think it was kingdom hospital, but there's like a moment in one of those shows where like, Something serious is happening, and then everybody breaks out in song. That feels like Kingdom Hospital, because Kingdom Hospital was kind of gonzo that way. It, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I feel like this scene does it better, though. Like, whenever I saw it happen in Kingdom Hospital, I was like, what is the emotion that I should be feeling at this moment? Because I don't know what it is. But watching this, when he goes, oh, wait, 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 I just thought of something, and he leans close to her, and you see that hope on her face for a moment. And then the whole band breaks into song, except for that one nice guy in the back who was like, what the fuck are we doing, guys? Nice guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Comparatively, we're grading on a curve. The band gets graded on a curve. Only because of the eyeliner. Only because of the eyeliner. I'll give you least horrible. Least horrible. <laughs> All right, I'll say. The least horrible guy who was like, what the fuck are we doing? I mean, he, he, st- he still wanted to be famous and get, you know, hookers and blow, but I mean, he's, he's going to feel bad about the killing part of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and then they break into song and like that hope on Jennifer's face that just turns to confusion and horror. It was so great. But speaking of that scene, that motherfucker looks at the moon <laughs> And he says, we've got a waxing moon, just like the ritual said. Bitch, that moon is visibly shrinking. It is visibly getting smaller. That's not what waxing means. That is a waning fucking moon. As I'm looking at the phases of the moon behind you, Adrian. (laughs) (laughs) Now, technically, it's facing the right way to be a waxing moon. And so I'm like, did they just flip that? Like, they couldn't find any actual stock footage of a waning fucking moon? I want to uh, mention the, uh, the opening and closing. Um, I, I love what this movie did where you see Megan Fox just laying there in bed looking at a book and then a face appears in her window. And then we go and do the whole rest of the movie and you forget it. You forget that happened. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, there's Megan Fox laying in bed and you go, it was needy. The whole, like, it actually, it didn't even click to me until they got to that that fucking infomercial. And he's like, you want to touch, but not this show, not this show. And I was like, didn't we already see this? What is happening? The butt squeeze. (laughs) I'll be fine, Mom. My Bowflex. Sorry. That- <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing the Bowflex. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that my just, gosh. When you started the infomercial, that just made me think of Chip, and I was like, oh, that line is great. That infomercial is something else. Mm-hmm. And that fight scene, that, man, that fight scene was beautiful. It was beautiful, where she hovers 
and then they flip and then she rips the necklace off and then Jennifer falls and then Needy falls and then bam. It was beautiful. Symbolism was so heavy. Like, like Needy taking back her autonomy from Jennifer and just the shock there. It was, was so good. Okay. Was Jennifer ever a good friend? They don't really give us any reason to believe that she was other than the fact that Needy is still friends with her. So I feel like we have to assume that there were moments. But that feels very, I mean, that feels very one very high school teenage girl friendship is that there are moments, especially if you have ever had that awful friend that you're like, Uh no, 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 wait, wait. But this one time that they did that one thing. So they're good. Like, I don't know. They're both very codependent of each other. And yeah, I don't really think so, but I think that's all Needy knew. I mean, the girl's nickname is Needy, and I don't think, you know, she's she probably gets left alone by the other the other bullies by being Jennifer's friend, so there's a lot she puts up with. And I Good point. I, I don't I just I don't think she is, but I don't think, you know, I think Needy tries to be a good friend, but I don't think Jennifer really is a good friend. It's also, if we assume, which I already have, that something bad has happened to Jennifer prior to this movie happening, Needy probably knows about it. That's yeah. a good point. Well, Needy knows, I mean, you know Needy knows things because she talks about the laxatives. Yeah. So we have, while we don't have any real proof that jennifer has been a good friend we do i think have enough to go on to assume that bad things have happened to jennifer and it is it is so easy to be like well she's being shitty to me but look at all of these reasons she has to be shitty right also i just realized because we'd mentioned it earlier there we don't see any dads in this movie no we don't no there are no dads in this movie like i mean if you you never see chip's dad no Uh, you know you do see you do see somebody who's probably Jonas's dad, and I think that's the only dad. He's mm-hmm. mentioned, but you still technically don't see him, so there are no dads in this movie. We see Colin's mom, who is probably the reason he's goth, because she's like, he's not anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, you see, and you see Chip's mom, you know, that pretty, pretty heavily, so yeah. You don't cast her and then not show her pretty heavily. Right. She's so great. She's such a great uptight mom. Oh my, like she, she just embodies that role all the time. I'm thinking about her in Dead Like Me. <laughs> and how about Amy Sedaris as Needy's mom? Mm-hmm. Oh, like I love her because you can tell that she's like, she's done her best and she's so fucking tired. She's yeah. tired, yeah. but I also feel like Amy Sedaris was also channeling a little bit of Sarah Palin with, <laughs> with, with that, like... Like she's done her best, she's tired, but there's also that she's a little she's a little pale in there. It was the mama bear line, right? It was the mama bear line, and then just some of the things of that she said, like it's like, ooh, I'm my, my Sarah Palin sense is tripping here a little bit, but you know, not mad at you, but it's it's there. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Then let's get to our rule polling quote. So, Adrian, you have our quote. I should have believed you. Yeah. I should have believed you. Just let that echo for a little bit. That line made me yeah. feel something in my heart. Mm-hmm. All right. And Donna, you have our rule. Yeah, we had quite a bit of discussion of a lot of different rules, and all of them were, you know, good. Um, like, don't get in the van with strangers and um, 
Read an occult book. Read an occult book. Um, <laughs> but the one we settled on was don't eat your best friend's boyfriend. Yeah, I mean, probably it's entirely possible that, that the two of them would have survived if she just hadn't eaten Chip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? May, I, I wonder if it was Chip or Colin. Colin was really the moment that Needy was like, fuck this. Well, she it, was still watching, though, with Colin. Like, she didn't actively try to kill him. Colin made her start her research on what exactly is going on with Needy. But, that's true. But Chip was like, oh, no, fuck this. Bitch got to die, you know. I think after Colin, they weren't going to be best friends anymore. Not but it wasn't, it wasn't until she went after Chip that Needy was like, oh, you got to die. And I think that that's another thing that they're speaking to in this movie is the way that women are so socialized to be competitors with each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 because and that's also with the chip stuff is when she's starting to tell jennifer secrets where she's like and she actually is well you you're not socially relevant you you know mm-hmm. you're this you're that and uh, so i i think yeah chip is the is that turning point yeah so don't eat your best friend's boyfriend okay just don't just don't Adrian, you have our poll. Do you think this takes place in the same universe as Buffy? I think there's some really good arguments that it does. The intersection between horror and reality in this movie, I think, is done really, really well and gives me a lot of Buffy vibes. Uh, Like the Sunnydale effect, where these supernatural things are happening and it's like people just can't quite see it. Um, You know, in World of Darkness the mages have this thing called like a uh, paradox where when they cast these big obvious spells, the world is just like, Oh, Nope. Can't handle that. We got it. Reality's got to lash back at you. And they, you can do covert spells, which everybody around, no matter how coincidental will just come to a conclusion of why that could have happened. And that's what feels like happens in Buffy a lot. And what ha- is happening in this movie where it's like, yeah, he was eaten, but other things could have happened. And anytime anybody can come up with any explanation for something, no matter how thin it is, they do. Yeah, I I can, yeah. Also the wittiness. Yeah, the wittiness and the, the high school setting. Of course, in, in Buffy, they're really going for the analogy of high school is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And that analogy isn't quite as uh, pronounced in uh jennifer's body but um it is there i mean they they are set in high school and there's some nightmarish stuff going on so that actually would probably have been a better tagline for this high school's a nightmare i mean just to steal from that than you know hell is a teenage girl but no i i i'm actually on board that this is the same universe as buffy i do i love the whole sunnydale effect idea like that makes a lot of sense uh also, my head canon is, is probably even sprinkling the supernatural universe, and yeah, this is this that is would that, work too. Yeah, this is a this is that world. This is that multiverse, if you will. Yeah. Um, also, just to to kind of springboard off of that into this other thing, I was going to say that that intersection of reality and horror is so great because, like in Buffy, you see it a lot whenever Buffy's trying to like not tell her mom <laughs> what she's going to go do, or when people have to deal with the fact that like all of these people are dead now. But with this movie in particular, when Jennifer's mom walks in at the end after Needy has stabbed Jennifer, like that scene is just, I, I don't know, man. Like the, they could have not included that scene 
and not no, but it was powerful yeah that's the thing is like they, that that scene could have not been in the movie and not particularly changed the movie but that scene was just like like i don't think i breathed during it mm-hmm. i mean can you imagine can you imagine walking into that room at that moment mm-hmm. being the mom but, yeah, it, you know, it occurs to me that Jennifer's probably not been normal at home either. Well, the way that her mom comes in, she sounds already tired. She's like, what yeah. is it, Jennifer? Yeah, yeah. So. It's just, oh, like, I don't know, but like, whoever decided to include that scene, like, good job. I forgot her. I, I, I struggle with saying her name, and I'm going to get it wrong. It's Karen. I know it's Karen. I know it's Karen. But she's- Good job, Karen. She's got a lot of, she's got some good horror cred. I mean, besides this, and uh, she actually did my least favorite story on XX, which was the the only son one that the Rosemary's Baby ripped off, but she did The Invitation, and The Invitation is fucking fantastic. I cannot say enough n- good things about that. Like, oh. Oh, that- she did an episode of The L Word? She did an episode of Outsiders. I think she's doing an episode of Mandalorian coming up this season. Uh, she did some of the man in the high castle, which wow, that's funny. <laughs> she's yeah, she's she's more she's done more episodic stuff here of late, but she she's she's got she's got a good eye. She she really does. So I'm always anytime she's she's attached to something, I'm always intrigued to see what she's going to do with. It. All right, are we? I think we are done. Do we have anything else? Um, I feel like there was something super profound that I was going to say. And it is gone. Oh, well. Nope. Nothing else from me. All right. Adrian, anything from you? Everything calls her a cheerleader, but she was swinging a flag like she was on color guard, right? She even had a color guard t-shirt later, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, but that's, what's funny is her uniform's a cheerleader, but that's not color guard uniform. Like that's not flag uniforms. So she's. I don't know. At my high school, flags wore a similar uniform. Not quite that short a skirt, but. Oh no! Uniform. Oh, our color guard—they wore pants. Our color guard was ROTC, I think. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We always we do appreciate your love and support. Uh, we are on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Beyond Cabin, and Instagram and Facebook is Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. Of course, we have a webpage, BeyondTheCabinInTheWoods.com. If you're wanting to follow me on any social media, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Callista77. I think that's my cue. Uh, you can find me. You can find me on Instagram, uh, Donna underscore Leahy. That's L E A H E Y. Um, on Twitter, I'm playing games with my Twitter handle. So if you go to my old Twitter handle at SoonerDVM, you will find a link to what my current Twitter handle is. And when I find one that I like, I'll let y'all know. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Junkyard Poet. That's about it. That's that's all I'm active on right now. All right. We are also part of the Gumby Cat Network, uh, so definitely give them, you know, check them out. They've got some good stuff there. And as always, thank you to our editor, Billy, for making us sound fantastic and just being awesome. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Billy. Don't read the Latin. You know what horror is. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.